Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast as we explore the mind of former MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner Brett Boone as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. On this episode of the Boone Podcast, Brett sits down with longtime NFL quarterback and USC baseball teammate Rodney Pete. All right, let's do this. And now, here's your host, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone, and today on the program, we've got a 16-year NFL vet. Played for the Lions, Cowboys, Eagles, Redskins, Raiders, and the Carolina Panthers. He was an All-American quarterback at University of Southern California and also an All-Pac-10 baseball player. Ladies and gentlemen, my former teammate, Rodney Pete. Rodney, thanks for coming on the show. Booney, how are you, man? My pleasure. Always, always willing to do something for you, man. You know, like I did in college. Always, always. <laughs> why, why'd you? Let's get it out of the way early. Why? Why'd you play football? Why'd you play? You got drafted four times. You could have yeah. been a big leaguer. You know, you don't have to mess around with this NFL stuff. Although I think it turned out all right. Yeah, it did, Booney. You know, um, and and. Uh, Here's the thing. I love them both since uh, since I started playing. Um, I, like you, started, you know, playing in Little League. I played everything. Like, they, they don't do that anymore where you play every sport, but I did. And uh, as I got older, I gravitated to baseball and football, and I liked them. I loved them both. And I played all the way through, you know, high school and through college, as you mentioned. Um, but at the end of the day, football, football was my love. Football was my love, and I, I – uh, you know, I, I look back and I, 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 throughout the times I was playing, I look back to what it would have been like to play baseball. Um, and uh, seeing guys like you guys that we played against uh, playing in the big leagues and, and uh, thought about those moments. But at the end of the day, I don't look back at it and regret it. And I think that if I would have went the other way and played baseball, I, I would have always wondered what it would have been like to play football. I had a lot to yeah. do with that booty being a quarterback was just a different animal and to be able to play quarterback in the NFL was something special that I always wanted to do. Yeah, I, I do get that. And, you know, we'll get to the SC in a little bit, but when I, whenever I was asked through the years, you know, Rodney was in, and we were both playing at the same time. And they'd ask, well, what kind of a baseball player yeah. was Rodney? I said, well, Rodney would kind of just show up when the season started. We only played together one year. But I said he was really good. I said, but he didn't, you know, he wasn't there in the preseason, wasn't playing winter ball with us. He just kind of show up and he naturally he could just hit. And and he had he had a knack for for playing the game. But I don't ever remember in, in our conversations, uh, the one year we played together, I don't remember it, it ever being a question. Like you got drafted out of high school, you got drafted a few times, three times. Uh, I'm gonna get, mm-hmm. and I'll get to that later too about the 1990 draft. I didn't even know about that one, but uh, <laughs> it, it was never an issue. You know, it, it's like baseball right. was never even an option for you. You had you had a one track mind. It was like, nope, I'm a football player, and I always remember that about you. Yeah, that's funny you say that because yeah, football was always and and you could feel it. You know me playing there. It was it was my it was my love and and. And as I got, you know, through the college situation, baseball became, it was an alternative uh, to doing the spring instead of playing football. But I, I, I love the game. Um, where it turned a little bit, Booney, was, you know, my, my senior year after that, I got, uh, I, I didn't get drafted to the sixth round. 
And back-to-back years, the Oakland A's drafted me my junior uh, and senior year. And so that second year, when I got drafted late by Detroit in the sixth round, they hit me hard, meaning Oakland. And uh, I, 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 almost, uh, I almost did that. The thought really crossed my mind that maybe football was not the way to go. Baseball was it because they wanted me more than it seemed the NFL wanted me. Um, but, but that just motivated me more like, okay, these guys don't think I can play in the NFL. So I, now I got to go play. Yeah. So Rodney Pete is a kid born Mesa, Arizona. Uh, as you mentioned, you played football, baseball, hoops, did it all growing up. Um, tell me about your childhood. Uh, it was a good one, man. I was the son of a coach. So, uh, one older brother who's three years older than, than I was. Uh, my dad was a, was a football coach. Uh, you know, he went from a high school coach to a college coach. I grew up in Tucson, Arizona. So he was coaching at the university of Arizona. So I was a U of A fan growing up and I was an Arizona Wildcat fan all the way through. Uh, got a chance to just hang out with him, man, which was a great experience. And, and, I think you, as you can attest to, when you're when you're around that atmosphere, it just does something for you. And and for me, I was I was always around the college atmosphere as a young kid. I was a water boy and a ball boy. I would be at practices, and I was just soaking it all in. And I felt very lucky to be a be a part of that. So uh, it was a good, great childhood growing up, man. It was quiet, Tucson, Arizona, small town. Everybody kind of knew each other, knew what you know, guys across town were doing. So it was, it was competitive, but it was small, but it was a good environment that I got a lot of opportunity to, uh, to, to succeed, man. And I had some, I had some pretty good coaches in high school along the way. The good thing about, you know, where we live, which, you know, goes back to the baseball is that you could, you know, play it all year round. So I was, you know, I, I, did, I didn't like the football practices in high school because they, they were the grueling ones. So I, I played a lot of baseball all summer long and then, and then went into football practice, kind of a little bit opposite of what I did in, the, uh, in, in, in college. But the childhood was good, man. My older brother dragged me along with him and made me better because I, I was able to play with older guys. And, and he, he, made me, he made me tougher because he, he was just like, no, you, you're playing with the older group. You're playing with us. And so that uh, that really helped me along the way, man. But overall, being you know being around that atmosphere, just uh, always felt that you know going into situations, I was never overwhelmed or felt in awe of being in any kind of environment because I felt like I'd already been there. And knowing you and, and the time we spent together, yeah, you I could picture you growing up in in uh, you know in high school. You're the football player, and you're you're the hoop guy, and and. You, and you're playing baseball. You're probably the ASB president. Maybe mixing a prompt. <laughs> you're kind of you're kind of like Bob Boone. That was Bob Boone. You know, he's the point guard. He's a quarterback. Yep. Uh, the this third baseman and the in the pitcher. Probably you know, he, like I said, he's he's he was the prom king. And I'm just like, oh, dad, did you use that? <laughs> did you have that perfect <laughs> that perfect high school? But I, I do picture Rodney Pete being that guy. <laughs> Well, you got, you got, you did get it right, man. I, I was, I was the prom king. I wasn't student body president. <laughs> well, you had, you had that. to be the, you had to be the president of some club in, in, <laughs> in high school. There was a, there was a, uh, 
there was a group called the Pioneers, which I was a uh, I was a member of. That uh, it, we we went out and it was a community service kind of program. So I was I was one of the leaders of that program. But in terms of the school, yeah, I I was kind of in that leadership role uh, throughout you know junior high and and, and even high school. Uh, you know, sometimes when you, you you have a lot of success on on the athletic field, it crosses over to the school in terms of popularity. So that helped me a lot uh, break out of some of my my early shyness if you will. So your senior year in high school, uh, your dad gets a chief's job, assistant coach with the chiefs yep. and moves you to Kansas going from Arizona to Kansas. That seems like a big deal. In the middle of high school. How yeah. was that for you? And, uh, yeah, take me through that a little bit. It, it was, um, it was tough. It was tough. Um, I, uh, like I said, lived my whole life in Arizona, grew up and uh, was getting ready to, to, to go through my senior year with, uh, with all the, all the guys that I grew up with. Um, at, and then, uh, in my high school in Arizona, we had, uh, we had won the state championship in basketball and we had won the state championship in, in baseball, um, the year before and, uh, or two years before I was in my sophomore year. So, um, we felt, you know, it was, it, it was going to be a pretty good year. But when my dad got that job in Kansas City, um, I was thinking more of, of a challenge than anything else. Because I, I felt like I had done a lot in, in Tucson, Arizona, but also the state of Arizona and, you know, playing in state, you know, tournaments and competitions and stuff like that. And for me, I was like, I just kind of wanted to see – some of the other high school kids around the country and what that was like in Kansas city, which is right on the border of Missouri. So it got a little bit of both and, and just really kind of challenged myself um, because I did have opportunity to stay back and, and, and finish out my senior year in Tucson. And part of me regrets that I didn't do that um, because I have still have close friends that I am friends with today that I went to high school and grew up with, but that challenge got me ready moving to Kansas city. Now it was definitely a, a culture shock. It, it was uh um, it was just a, a different type of Midwest mentality that wasn't as quite as liberal as, as I was used to. Um, and, and, but it was fun. I got, I, I got a, together with a good group of friends that, that welcomed me in, man. And, um, you know, part of it was tough cause I was a, you know, a kid coming from Arizona had gotten some accolades in high school. So they knew who I was. My dad was coaching for the Chiefs, So there was, there was a certain amount of pressure that I, I felt going there. And then, um, you know, then the expectations, they, you know, they, they hear all these things and read all these press clippings and think this guy's coming in. And then, you know, half of them are, are excited about it. And then the other half are, are just want to test you and challenge you and see if you, you know, are you all that? And so I got a lot of combinations of that, but all in all, it was, it was a, it was a very good experience because it got me, because I had to go meet new friends. I had to go new environment, new school, new everything. And I, I, and it just got me ready for my college experience, which I was really looking forward to. You know, it's interesting because I didn't, it wasn't that late in high school for me, but I grew up uh, in New Jersey, you know, and my dad's playing for the Phillies. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden he gets traded to the California angels. And I'm a Jersey kid through and through, you know, at this mm -hmm. time. And, and, you know, dad says, okay, what we're going to do is, 
uh, you're just going to come out for the summer. And then, you know, he was going to keep the family in Jersey. Well, he, he had one summer of that and he, he kind of said, no, we're moving the family to, to California. And I'll tell you, I got those marching orders for my dad and I was that 14 year old. I'm not moving. I'm not moving to California. <laughs> Surf's up. I'm a Jersey kid. We, you know, you got all your buddies that you've grown up with your right. whole life and, and you, you know, best at that point, you know, when you're 14, you know, <laughs> it ended oh, up yeah. being the best move I ever made. It took me about, about a month that I said, well, this Southern Cal stuff ain't too bad. It enabled me, right. you know, to play baseball year round. Whereas in Jersey, you know, you had to you had to go with the seasons. You had to go with the weather. So it ended yeah. up being a blessing. But I do understand the move. It kind of disrupts your life when you're a high school kid. Like all my buddies yeah. are are here, and then all of a sudden I'm going there. You made the choice to go there. Uh, you end up finishing your senior year. Now you mentioned U of A because that's another thing we had in common. I grew up wanting to go to U of A. This is before. Oh, you did. This is yeah. This is this is you know nowadays uh, kids are they're committing their freshman year in high school. Well, back when, you know, in the eighties, when we were committing, I didn't even go on my first trip uh, to visit a college till my senior year, you know, on the baseball front. And U of A was that first college that started sending me letters, you know, my sophomore year. And, and Uh I would get a phone call from, from the coach at the time. It was Jerry Kendall. Jerry Kendall. Jerry Kendall. Yeah. 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 And Stitt was the assistant, man. We had a dialogue. I thought I was already a, a wildcat and I'm sitting there thinking, Oh yeah, I'm going to U of A, you know, from, from the age 15, anybody asked me, Oh, I'm going to U of A. They already sent me a letter. You know, at the time I didn't know that's not, that doesn't mean you have a full scholarship already, but that's how, that's how I looked at it. And Booney, correct me at that time, because you, you came out, right, what, 86, 87? 87. Yeah, because they, they had just won the College World Series, I think. Oh, that, yeah. I'd go over there, and I remember going on my recruiting my recruiting trip my senior year, and I think it was Chip Hale who just took yeah. over the, the baseball job there. Oh, he was the second baseman, and, man, he was my, you know, my favorite player. Well, you knew these guys because you were playing against them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's where yeah. I wanted to go. And they opted. I remember Jerry Kendall called me in and he said, uh, Booney, uh, we can't give you that full scholarship. We're going to give it. And, it. and it was a, a rival high school uh, player, really good player, got drafted by the third that round. Third, third round that year by the Braves, they gave my scholarship to him. And I remember Jerry Kendall looking at me and saying, yeah, we don't have that full ride. You know, we can give you about 40%. And I looked at him like, are you kidding me? And the next thing you know, I was, <laughs> I, I was with you guys. I was a Trojan and I couldn't stand Arizona, but uh, that's how my story <laughs> went. That's how my story went. But you, you finish your senior year, you end up going to SC, uh, but what what were your considerations other than Southern Cal? Um, well, for for me, yeah, it was it was very important for me that uh, the school that I went to allowed me to play baseball, and there were a number of them that didn't want me to play baseball. Um, a lot of them in the uh, again the Big Ten, Michigan didn't want me to play baseball. Oklahoma didn't want me to play baseball. Um, but growing up in Arizona and you know being a part of the pack. 10 at that time and just seeing the schools come into town, the USC UCLA's come to town. I, I just, I wanted to play out West. I, I really did. And so my trips kind of reflected that I, I went to, um, to uh, Arizona state. Uh, 
back to to uh, to to U of A to visit that school, and then I I went to uh, I went to USC, and and I, I remember going to Arizona, and they they had you know both both uh, a football guy and a baseball guy that I would hang out with, and one of my high school teammates, Joe Estes, was a pitcher, was on was on the Arizona team, and so. And they did a they did a, a interesting job because they got all my high school buddies that that all went to Arizona, got them all together. We hung out, we had so much fun. It was like I hadn't seen them in a year, and that was their recruiting pitch. And I was I walked away from there going almost like I was like, man, I I, I got to come back to Arizona. I got this is this is where this is cool. I want to get back with my buddies. Um, and that was that was. Arizona State was first, and then uh, that was that was second. I was like, because I came away from Arizona State being pretty cool, because Barry Bonds was there. He took me around um, and was my host, and, and and that was pretty cool. And you know, Jim Brock at that time, Arizona State had a program that was that was rolling as well, uh, especially with baseball and football got pretty good too. But um, Arizona had that thing with my my friends, and, and man, I, I gotta I gotta go here. Then I take my my third trip. I take to uh, to Stanford, and it was a place like my mom really wanted me to go there. She was always impressed with Stanford, liked it, and obviously the prestige of the school and all that. And they they were another school that was going to allow me to play football and baseball. They had other players that did that. I was a big fan of Elway at the time, and uh, coming out of high school, uh, just as a guy that played quarterback and played you know, two sports. So it was, it was very cool. So I went up there and his dad was actually the head football coach. Jack Elway was the head football coach at Stanford at the time. So he, he recruited me. He got John to hang out with me on my recruiting trip. So that was a big deal. So I came away from Stanford after I left Arizona go, yeah, Stanford might be the right place. Stanford might be the right place. It's, it's got everything that I want. And, you know, the uh, opportunity to play football, baseball, great education, uh, all of those things in the Bay Area, very cool. So I said, I'm going to take these last two trips to USC and UCLA, and then uh, I'm going to make my decision. But I started leading back and forth from Arizona to Stanford. Then I went to USC. And I got, I got off the plane, and there was a long – North Turner, who was a – Longtime football coach for different head coach for different ways and assistant. He was he recruited me, so he's he's waiting for me at the airport. He picks me up and he says, "Come on, we got a car out here." And there's long black limo outside, and I come out and and mind you, I'm coming from Kansas at the time, and it's freezing in in Kansas City. Uh, the recruiting trip was in January, and I get to California. The sun is shining. It's about 75 degrees. He gets in the limo, but he gets in the front seat. I go, why are you getting in the front seat? We, no, oh, should we, we, we're right in the back. I was no, that's for you. So I get in the back seat, and there are four song girls in the back seat of the limo, along with another football host, Joe Cormier, was sitting in the back of the limousine. And we take a ride and go to Marina Del Rey, have lunch, um, come back they walked me down to the middle of the coliseum and the and the scoreboard is lit up and it's 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 playing music and the fight song and Booney right there i said i i don't need to go to ucla i'm, I'm signing with usc it, it was over 
Wow. That is pretty SC. It is. It's, it's got something about it, you know, and I couldn't, I could imagine, you know, baseball is one thing at USC, but as you know, uh, football is a different level. I mean, when you talk about LA, it's the Lakers and USC football. And um, yeah, I could imagine coming in that this, this would be a pretty cool place to play quarterback. So you get there freshman year, you're back up to Sean Salisbury. And you end up being the starter. So that was your red shirt, red shirt year, right? End up, yeah. uh, you end up not using your red shirt year because you end up being the starter. After that, uh, kind of the rest is history. Walk me through the four years and, and tell me about, you know, how great of a time it was for you at SC. Yeah, it was, uh, it was great. Uh, I was, um, Look, I was so looking forward to college, man. I, I, I was so ready. You know, that that one year away in Kansas, although it was great for me, I was so ready, okay, to, to start my college experience. I kind of lived vicariously through my older brother who actually went to U of A. So I, I kind of lived vicariously through him a little bit and and just was ready for the college experience. And, and I actually did redshirt my freshman year in football. And uh, so I didn't play football and got a chance to really just dive into college life at SC, which was the best. I mean, you, you, you know, the world SC over there and campus and things going on. So it was, it was, it was a great time, but I actually did get a chance to play baseball my true freshman year. And Rod Dato was the coach, uh, obviously legendary Rod Dato, which was uh, an experience in itself playing for him. And so I played a lot my, my true freshman year. Uh, uh, but, but what was crazy, my whole life, I, I played shortstop and played a little third base in high school, but I never played anywhere else. And, uh, and, and all of this, the early January workouts, I was playing a little third base, playing a little shortstop. And, but I was, a, you know, I was kind of moving around. Fielding was not my, I was always a pretty good hitter. So that stood out to Dato. So he's like, find a way to get me the lineup. So opening day, my freshman year, I started second base. I never played second base in my life. He puts me at second base. Now, mind you, I did not know that he was at that time notorious for putting people in the lineup that that uh, that not not only were not on the on the team, but people were out of position. So I thought it was a joke. But uh, he said, no, no, you're gonna you're gonna we're gonna start you off. You're gonna switch off. You're gonna play against lefties and. You know, he was a big league manager. And you're going to play against lefties, and, and uh, Kevin's going to play against the righties. And so we did that way most of the season. And then, you know, I got hot at the end, and I just I started playing every game. So baseball, that that spring experience for me in baseball was fantastic because I, I got really thrown into the college atmosphere. And so when I went back after for, for football that next year, I was I was ready because I felt like I was battle tested, you know, from a comp- competition level uh, because I played college baseball and played against some of the best, you know, in the country. So I was good. And that was the redshirt freshman year in football that Sean Salisbury, Salisbury started the season. And we, we started off OK, one opening game, one and one. And then uh, we had a, a few hiccups along the way. And. It, it just things didn't go well. We came off a, a Rose Bowl the year before, and this was Sean's senior year, so there was a lot of pressure on him. 
and he just it, it just wasn't playing well. And we ended up we were I want to say three and three at the time, and just uh, lost a terrible game to Notre Dame the week before. And then Ted Tolmer, who was the coach, came to me said, "We're gonna we're gonna start you now." You know, we, we just the team needs a spark. Team needs to go in a little different direction. Uh, we're going to start you against Washington. And so I had to go up to my first start in, in college was against the Washington Huskies, who were a tough team, always been tough, uh, and a kind of a misty rain in Seattle with the loudest crowd in the Pac-10 at the time uh, was my first start. So it was, it was a little nerve-wracking, but we had the game won. And we fumbled on the, the two-yard line in that game. Uh, and Washington went 98 yards in less than two minutes to score a game-winning touchdown, which they had to score a touchdown to win it and won that game. So I didn't get a chance to win my first start. But the very next week, we played UCLA, and uh, and we beat UCLA. And that was like one of the biggest moments of my life as a, as a – a retro freshman starting quarterback to beat UCLA in the Coliseum and knock them out of the Rose Bowl at that time was uh, was very huge, man. So that was that was a great experience to get five games in as a freshman. Quarterback was was great. Uh, it just gave me so much experience to go back the next year and and get ready for my sophomore year in football. You know, but incidentally, in that 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 freshman year we played in a bowl game in in, in Hawaii uh the hula bowl and I tore my Achilles tendon in that game so I was pissed off number one that I tore my Achilles tendon but secondly I didn't get a chance to play my second season in baseball I was out that whole spring so I had to rehab that old spring to get ready for the next coming football season which is my sophomore year and you mentioned uh uh Dato and and you know he was still around when I got there my freshman year. That was that was uh, when Gillespie had taken over. But I got to be around Rod a lot, and you know he always struck me because growing up, you know, with Dad and going, you know, going to games and playing the Dodgers. I, I always thought when I met Rod Dato for the first time, I said, "This is the Tommy Lasorda of college baseball, right here." Hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, just you know. Yeah. have Rod speak at your banquet. It's a home run every time, just yeah. like Lasorda was every time. You hear the stories through the years. Obviously, uh, the national championships that, that he won, you know, USC got more than anybody else. Um, unbelievable. You talk about the SC, the UCLA rivalry. You get, you, you get kind of indoctrinated to that really quick. You know, when you get there as a freshman, it's like, all right. Yep. One thing about being a Trojan is you hate those guys over there. They're about 15, 20 minutes away down the, down the freeway. But we have nothing to do with them. And, and that starts still today. You should see Aaron. I mean, I'm an SC uh-huh. guy through and through. Yeah, I pull for the Trojans. I'm there for them. Aaron Boone still to this day. I mean, he'll he'll roll the windows down in his car. He'll put on his SC jersey and he'll play the fight song <laughs> on Saturdays. And, and sometimes he'll be in. I'll say, Aaron, you know, you're 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 46 years old now. You know, it, hey, I don't care. It's SC. It's SC <laughs> and the Eagles. But a lot of people, I'll tell you, a lot of people that go to USC have that kind oh, yeah. of just dying, uh, just. Just it, it turns their whole world. I, I enjoyed myself. It, it was a fun time there. Um, so we're going to get to your senior year in college. 
you're the Heisman runner-up. You're an All-American. You're Pac-10 player of the year. And I remember that year because this is my freshman year. And for those of you listening to the Boone podcast, when you go to SC and you're a freshman baseball player, football is the whole thing. And I remember going to the games and, you know, we, we might have met in passing during, during the, the football season, but I always remember, Oh, Rodney, he's like a, he's like a celebrity. He's going to be on my baseball team in a little bit. And I'm just a young <laughs> freshman. I'm like, Oh, Rodney Pete, he's, you know, big man on campus, quarterback. And, and I remember you came out and uh, you were our third baseman that year. I played second because we had Brett Barbary coming in. I was a shortstop, but yep. I had to move to second that year. And I remember the first, First time just, you know, taking infield with you. You're throwing me spirals from third base. (laughs) And I'm going, this is the first man. It makes sense, but it's the first guy, first third baseman I've ever had that threw me spirals. And, uh, you know, that was fun. That was fun. I I still, to this day, and and hearing you now talk about baseball, because you made your college decision based on you got to let me play baseball. And that, yeah. to me, it, it's funny because I always knew, no, Rodney's a football player. He ain't going to sign. You know, uh, he doesn't want to go play baseball. But it was so important to you that that college experience, you got to play it and then never pursued it. That It's still a question yeah. to me. Like, he really loved it. A, he, he really liked it a lot, baseball, and he loved football. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And No, absolutely. I just I was not ready to stop playing baseball when I left high school. And – and so that was, you know, that was something that was so, so important for me to make my decision. But, but yeah, yeah, you know, it, I mean, uh, you know, senior year, that, that, that was, I, I even look back and said, now, I don't know if there's been a, there was a better year than that year. Uh, because it was, as you mentioned, at that time, you know, we were winning. We were, we were ranked high. We came in with a lot of expectations on the football side. It was, it was uh, it was pretty exciting. I had uh, you know gotten some accolades prior to the season starting, and and so it was a lot of hype. Every game was ninety ninety five thousand in the stands, and you're calling the signals, man. It, it was a pretty cool thing. And then um, as you mentioned, you know, SC is such a football driven school. Like it, 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 you hear people to this day, if football program's not doing well, then. then school's not doing well it just it's just it drives so many things and attitudes with people and so when you're doing well you can you can soak it all in so that senior year yeah it was it was pretty incredible to walk around campus and then not only campus because they see such a bigger than just you know college in, in in LA and globally but even around the city it was you know you you felt like people took notice and as you mentioned before it's you know it's Lakers, Dodgers, SC football, and that's that's the order of the importance in in the town. Anyway, you slice it, and it doesn't even matter the record. And so, to to be quarterback on that team, and especially my senior year when we were really good, uh, that was that was a lot of fun. So I think you're I think you're a 14th round pick that year for the A's. The previous year, you got picked mm-hmm. in 13th round by the A's. Uh, you get you get to your dismay, and and. I completely understand it. You know, what a great senior year. And you get disappointed. Six-round pick with the, with the Lions. You end up signing. Let's go to Detroit. Start it off. Yeah. 19, 1989 in Detroit. 
rookie in the yeah, NFL. 19, 1989 in Detroit. Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting thing because I, I did go there with uh, uh, after I got drafted, and you know you go there for a couple of mini camps and in uh, in May, and then you go back in June for a couple of weeks, and then you have training camps. So that first trip I took in May after I got drafted, I was I was uh, I was a little bitter. I, you know, I was still I literally was. Like, I don't know if I really want to be here. First of all, I, I, I got drafted in the sixth round. And then on top of that, I go to Detroit, which is an organization that hadn't won ever, basically. And, and so is this a place that I really want to be? And mind you, after that draft, then throughout May and up leading up to the June baseball draft, I was getting I was getting calls like from, from Oakland, it, you know, what do you think? If we draft you this way, we, are you going to sign with us? If you draft you higher, what are you going to sign? So they kept, I said, I just, I really don't know. So they drafted me in the 14th round, but actively pursued me, like I said, and I just said, okay, look, I can't, I, I just can't give up this opportunity right now because I, people don't believe me. So I, it was good. And then on top of that, uh, Barry Sanders obviously got drafted there too, the same year. So 89 was, uh, was a very interesting year. I uh, they at the time they had Rusty Hilger was the quarterback, and um, and uh, another guy named Bob Galliano. Eric Heppel was still there, and so I went into camp having to prove myself and run and shoot the offense. From Mouse Davis was being implemented. Uh, I picked up on it really well and just uh, you know used a lot of motivation during that training camp to kind of win that job. And I won the job to start the season, but, but hurt my knee in the last preseason game against the Rams and was not able to start the first four games of the season. Uh, but ended up starting the, you know, the, after that. And, uh, you know, just, you know, in football, you get baptized and we, I got baptized a lot in that, that rookie year in Detroit, which was, uh, was a tough deal. I mean, uh, especially when, you know, it was exciting because we we would score points, but we we would we didn't win a whole lot of games because we always got outscored because the defense was never that good. Um, but I knew that 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 I had made the right decision because I I, I take football. It was what I loved to do, um, regardless if I was in Detroit or not. I, this is what I wanted to do. What was the big adjustment for you from college football to the NFL? Oh, the biggest adjustment is the speed, speed of the game, the how good everybody is. You know, in college, you, you, there's always mismatches. There's there's always, you know, your guys a lot better than the than the other guy. You can find those matchups that are that are really advantageous to you. Uh, in the NFL, it, the windows are are a lot smaller. The the guys that you think are open are not open that long and, and you, your anticipation has to be a lot better than what it was college in college. Cause in college you had guys a lot of times running wide open and you, you could miss them to the right or to the left a little bit. It's still going to be a big play. Whereas when you get to the NFL, you, you better be accurate or you're going to be in trouble. And so that was the biggest adjustment is to how fast the game moved and how athletic everybody was. And then the windows of, of opportunity to fit a path into the receiver were not as great as it was in college. So the accuracy part was the biggest adjustment, I think, for me being a quarterback in college versus going to throw. 
Yeah, I think when you mentioned speed, I think that's kind of the that's kind of right for every every sport at the highest level. You know, it's mm-hmm. baseball is a little bit different. You go from Division One college, there is no minor leagues for the NFL, but baseball, Triple <clears throat> A to the big leagues. It's, yeah, what's that jump like? It's, exa- it's exactly what you said. It's all speed. You know how, you know, when you're at an amateur level, you're always looking to the other team going, hey, see that guy? He's a really good player. He's their best player. Well, when you leave right. AAA and you get to the big leagues, every player on the field is the best player from the other team. Right. And the biggest thing I noticed was the speed of the game. So you hit a ball in the hole in AAA and you beat it out by a half a step. The big leagues are out by a half a step. That's the big thing right. I noticed, and, and just the the uh, the control of the pitchers. You know, you you're you're in the minor leagues, and and once a week you might face a guy that really opens your eyes. Like, wow, that was different than the rest of the guys we faced. Well, a lot yeah. of times at AAA, that the best guy is the number three guy in the big leagues. So that's what I noticed. It was a speed, but but as an athlete, and you know this quarterback. Uh, if you're meant to be an NFL player, if you're meant to be a major league baseball, uh, if you're meant to play there, you make the adjustment just like everybody else does, just like you did from high school. You know, I'm sure your leap from high school football and high school baseball to college football, college baseball, that's a big leap. But what do you do? The elite make that adjustment. And I always hear that. That's why I asked you, because I always hear it's the same from, from anybody I talk to from all the major sports. What's the difference? that the overwhelming answer is it's a speed thing at the highest level. Yeah. And, you know, you just yeah. kind of confirmed what I thought you were going to say, but yeah, no doubt. No doubt. something interesting about you and your career, you played for 16 years. You went through a lot of ups and downs with injuries. You spent a lot of time as a starting quarterback and you spent a lot of time as a backup quarterback. And what I want to hear about is, since you had so much experience on both sides, the backup quarterback, how much is he involved in that offense? When you were starting in your backup, how much were you guys in communication? How much was he a part of that, that pregame ritual that got you ready for the game? And take me behind the yeah. curtain a little bit of, of that relationship between the starter and the backup from, from both sides of that, uh, of that relationship. Yeah. Um, the backup quarterback in the NFL, when he is he is forced into playing, is the hardest job, I think, in sports. And I say that because as a starting quarterback, you get all the preparation. You get all the reps in practice. You get the timing. The receivers are working to your timing. The center is snapping to your hand. So the rhythm of the offense is with you. And that's why you, you take up 95% of the practice time if, if you're the starting quarterback. As the backup, all you can do is get your mental reps. Now, you go through some physical work in practice, but you're not working with the, the first team. You're, you're, you're maybe throwing scout team, you know, giving, you know, running the other team's plays. Um, you get one-on-one individual work, but your, your, your work comes from the film room and understanding the game plan, what you're trying to get through that day and trying to do it and get the mental reps as opposed to the physical reps, which as you know, you can get all the mental reps you want, but when 
when the bullets are live and they're flying, it's a whole different ball game. So that's why I say it's, it's tough on a backup because you don't get that practice during the week. And all of a sudden, you're thrusting the action. You're playing. You're playing, you know, from the second quarter on, and you don't remember running that play that the coach called, but you did it in your mind. So now you've got to execute it physically. That's a tough thing. And I think as I got older, which which comes with experience, experience is that I was, I was able to be both, and especially because I had started so much to be a good backup because I, I knew what it was like to prepare, and I, I had been in a lot of action. And so if the number one guy went down, it wasn't a big drop-off if I came in the game. So I think that more than anything allowed me the last 16 years because coaches felt that whoever was starting or whatever, if, if that didn't go well, then I was ready to play, and I was. Yeah, you are actually a real unique player from from our generation because I, I can't think of anybody that had the experience you had sitting on sitting on the sidelines when you were the backup. Most backups, you know, if they get behind the wrong guy, they're backup for seven years and they get a couple yeah. snaps a year, you know. But but that was a real unique, and I was always wondering, like Rodney's got so much time as a starter. Now he's a backup. I wonder what's going through his mind. You know, in baseball, it, it's a little bit different because you're you're a, you're usually early in your career. You're either you're either an everyday guy or you're a utility player. And then maybe at the end mm -hmm. of, a, of a long career, uh, that guy that was, you know, a, a difference maker in the middle of the lineup, he's a little older, he takes a secondary uh, position and might pinch hit, you know, on a, on a playoff team to try to get to the World Series or something like that. But the back and forth, that doesn't happen too often. And, and really in the NFL, it doesn't happen too often either. No, no, it doesn't. And for me, it happened oh, really twice that, um, you know, I started in Detroit and as mentioned, had some, some injury issues, even though, you know, we, we had some good years, went to the playoffs twice in my five years there. Um, but it just was, it was a place that I had to get out of. And, and fortunately at that time, the free agency had just started really to be open in the NFL. So I was able to go and spend a year in Dallas um, but to your point of, you know, you could sit behind some guy for forever. Um, obviously, Troy Aikman was in Dallas. So for me, I needed a reboot. I needed a restart from, from, from being in Detroit for five years. So I went to Dallas. I knew Ernie Zampese, who was a coach. And Troy was, and I were, were, were cool since college. So it, it worked out really well. And I went there for a year. And I knew that, you know, maybe there's an opportunity. I still wanted to be a starter because you still – I was relatively young, still in my 20s. I wanted, to, I wanted to still be a starting quarterback. So I thought I could go somewhere else and do that. But I needed to kind of restart myself. Yeah, so Dallas was a, was a great restart for me. I, I felt that I could, I could go there, get a couple starts, which I did. Started a couple games when Troy got hurt. So it, it gave me a chance for other teams to see me because I, I still wanted to be a starter. I, after that season, Philadelphia called, and they signed me. And I didn't initially go in there as a starting quarterback because they had Randall Cunningham there at the time. But they also had a new coaching staff. And Ray Rhodes was the head coach. John Gruden was the offensive coordinator coming in. And I had knew John from years before, so he was excited to have me come in. And he had some great years previous to that. But last, the year before, they had struggled 
it was a question whether or not he was going to be fit, a good fit for, for John Gruden's offense. And so I came in, and what's, what's interesting about the starter and the backup thing is that I was I was always pretty good backup. I, I, even when I was a starter, I wanted guys to help me out. And so I wanted to be there, be there for, for the guy who was starting. And uh, it was no different in Philadelphia, but it was a, a real weird undertone in Philadelphia when I got there that my team had kind of ready, was ready to move on from, from Randall. And I, I felt that from some of the players that were there and, and the, certainly from the new coaching staff and some of the guys that were carried over from the old, old squad that they were ready for a change. So everything I did, you know, well in training camp was kind of, you know, uh, people went overboard to, to cheer it and then, you know, kind of did the golf clap when Randall did things. So uh, it was very interesting dynamic in training camp, but we still got along. And then fourth game of the season, we, we start out one and three and they make a change. And I, I come in and play the rest of the season, finish the season. And we win, um, when uh, that year, and we go to the playoffs, and so that was like the reboot that I was looking for, the start that I was looking for, and, and that was '95. And go to the playoffs, win a playoff game, get this that first playoff game in 1995 in Philadelphia. We play against my old team, Detroit, which to me was the best game of my career and, and, and my favorite game of my career because we absolutely destroyed Detroit in the playoffs in, in that year. And uh, it was it was the best feeling in the world because I didn't leave Detroit on a great terms and, and it just had a bad taste in my mouth. And then to, to have a chance to beat them in the playoffs was, was so satisfying. And uh, we end up losing the next round to Dallas. They go on and win the Super Bowl. But for me, it was a great restart to become a starter again in Philadelphia. Playing Philly through 98, you have a stop with the Redskins. You go to the Raiders in uh, 2000 and 2001, and you end up finishing in your career with the Carolina Panthers. You end up going to the Super Bowl in 2003. Uh, I only got to go to one World Series. Got our butt yeah. kicked by the Yankees, 1999. But I'll tell you, it's something special. Um, how was that yep. Super Bowl for you? Yeah. You know, Bunny, you know how it is. You, you dream about it, man. You dream about playing in the World Series. You, you dream about playing in the Super Bowl and being in that atmosphere. It, it, it is everything as advertised, as you, as you say, the whole week. You know, it, it, once you win the, the, the NFC or AFC championship game, you have two weeks to soak it in, and then you got a full week in the Super Bowl city to get ready for it. But that week after you win the, the, the conference championship and the city's all, you know, throwing parades and parties for you and, and so exciting. Carolina is obviously a young franchise. First time they ever been. It was absolutely, it was, it was amazing, amazing. And then the week of the, you know, the Super Bowl leading up to it, it took forever. It felt like it was a month leading up to the game. And, um, you know, it was, it was fantastic. It, it took forever, but the the lights, the electricity that's in the air when you're playing for a world title is is really un, un, unbelievable. And and I was a backup there. I still felt all the juices and everything flowing, but 
man, it was a it was an incredible, incredible atmosphere to be in uh, in the Super Bowl, and it was in Houston at that time. But uh, it was, and then the game was great. We we I mean, it went down to they they hit a last second field goal to beat us. Uh, and it went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We actually had a chance to win it. But um, to get there was great. But, you, you know, you, you still feel a little bit empty because you didn't win one. And, and again, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I played 16 years. That was the only time I got to the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was it was something. And I remember the ride home. We got swept. <laughs> the Yankees kicked our butt. <laughs> and, and I was on a damn. We were on a good Braves team that year. And I'm going, yeah, oh, we got yeah. You know, we got we got Maddox, Smoltz, Glavin. We got uh, our big guy that year was Kevin Millwood had a huge year. And I thought the Yankees ain't got nothing for us. And four games later, I'm like, they had a little more than I thought they did. But uh, yeah, no, it, it, it is the, the pinnacle. Game, it is. Man. Yeah, it's what we play for. So you retire after the 04 season, and now you're going Hollywood. You're going to Best Damn Sports Show. We had <laughs> we had your partner, we had your partner Rob Dibble on the show a month or so ago. Uh, I, I did the I did that Best Damn Sports Show, but it was years earlier before you got there. I did it with Michael Irvin, and then I. And, oh yeah, 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 yeah. But. Uh, how was that, and how was how was that transition from from playing sixteen years to now? Hey, I'm on this side of the ledger. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it it helped me retire. Um, to be honest with you, because I was going, I actually was going to ride it out until they kicked me out. But um, but you know, I I I wanted to. I, I definitely wanted a smooth transition. So my days in Carolina. Look, I went to Carolina. I'm stealing these last couple of years or whatever I can get there. Um, which is a funny story because I left Oakland to go to Carolina. Dan Henney was the quarterback coach and coordinator and said, hey, come on, man, come on and, and be a backup here. So I go, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, be, I'll go there. I'm an old man now, so I'll go back up and teach Chris Winky, you know, a few things and we'll go from there. I ended up starting that year that I went to Carolina. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you're going to start for us. Okay. Uh, again, new, new coaching staff. He wasn't ready, so they put me in there. Um, it was it was a great experience, though. But retiring, uh, I was like, okay, I'm I'm gonna play one more, and then I got a call from Best Dam saying, look, Michael Michael's gone. We're, we're gonna revamp the show. Uh, we want you to come in and do it. And I said, oh, I'm in. And it was a great four year run, four and a half year run that 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 we had. I, I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was just a different, you know, the show is different. It wasn't all caught up in just X's and O's. It was, you know, about person lifestyle and all kinds of crazy stuff. So uh, I want to, I absolutely enjoy it. You move on. You've been doing it for a long time now. AM five seventy. Your talk show hosting. You've been doing it for a while now. Uh, But what I really want to get to, I want to get to. Uh, for Pete's sake and meet the Pete's. <laughs> How did that come about? You're married to, uh, by the way, Rod, Rodney, uh, Rodney Robinson. I might call it. No, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> yes, you. but yes, yes. You're married that to was my a Rodney uh, nickname. Yes, I'm all. I'm all yeah. good with that booty. You're all right with it. You're all right with it. Yeah. So how did that come about? I look at these. There's been so many reality shows now, and you look at some of them, and you go, "Oh, tell me, tell me how much is real." And how much is it a little bit of, you know, we rehearsed this before the take. 
Yeah, and there's some that are more real than others. Um, and when you when you do one, you kind of get because all of those all the people behind the scenes they go from reality show to reality show. So they know all the ins and outs of all the other shows. So you, you, you kind of, you know, and I'm one of the picking up those, what was it like for the real housewives of County? What was, what, you know, tell me about that. But so you picked all the brains, but most of it is, it, it is, it is all organized and scripted to a point that like for us and our show, we, we also were executive producers on the show. So we knew what we kind of wanted to get across. So we worked with the, the actual production company about what we were going to do and what I wasn't going to do. And certainly I was not one that loved the camera in my face and having a mic on all the time. Cause first of all, I don't know always what's going to come out of my mouth. And it is true. When you, when you have people in your, you know, with cameras around all, all day long, you, you oftentimes forget, that they're filming and you forget that you got a mic on. And so there are a number of times I'm yelling at my kids, I'm cutting them out, I'm doing different things, which was, was crazy. So the experience, it was difficult, but for what we did, we would set up like, we're going to go out to dinner and, and we're going to call it just without the kids. It's a date night. And then the cameras would roll and we would just have conversation. Anything would come up and that was not scripted. We would say, I'm, I'm teaching my, my daughter how to drive. We'd set up the appointment, get the people involved, and then it would just take a life of its own. So, you know, we wouldn't script what to say, but we would talk about how we would organize the shot or the scene and then let it happen organically. That's the way we, we, we did our show. Um, some other ones, you know, they'll tell, they'll, they'll, it'll, it'll be full scripted. They want, you know, Whoever they decide they want to be the bad person, then get this table over and then yell at her and tell her this and tell her that and tell her this and tell her that. And, and so it becomes less reality than what people think. 2009, you got that call. Uh, you're inducted in the USC Hall of Fame. How was that? How did that call go? Uh, I actually got a call from, from uh, Marcus, who was on the committee at the time, Marcus Allen. And, uh, he uh, he hit me up and said, "Congratulations, uh, you're going in into the '09 class." And it, it was it was a great call. It was a, it was you know I I absolutely love the school. I'm like your brother, you know. <laughs> I, I I love SC. My experience there was was fantastic, uh, and I still look at it today that my, my five years there were, were some of the best years of my life. Uh, still talk to a lot of, a lot of folks that, that I went to school with there. So when I got that call to be in the hall of fame, it was, it, it was very gratifying because, you know, it's, it's something that from a legacy standpoint, my kids can, can always know that they can see that they can, they can look it up. You know, there's plaques and things that, 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 they can remember that that I was there and 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 made a dent. So it was, it was very very gratifying, and I cherish it even to this day. Well, Rodney Pete, I want to thank you for coming on the Boone Podcast. Uh, very cool catching up with you. How's your golf game? My golf game is terrible, man, yeah, and it should stink. be good. I, I, I there's a whole too, lot of though. sitting around that I should have been playing golf when I, when I was binge watching game of Thrones during this whole thing, man, I, I should, I should be much better than what I am. I'm mad at myself that I'm not better <laughs> than I am right now. 
All right. So what we do each and every uh, time on the Boone podcast at the end, we kick it back to the voice of the podcast, Dan Levy, for a question from the fans. Dan? Gentlemen, how are you? Fantastic. All right. First and foremost, don't ever apologize for lacking golf so you can watch Game of Thrones. That show is wonderful. That's what I hear. Maybe the ending, maybe not so great, but as as long as I kept giving the dragons, I was in. Come on. Well, right. you gotta be a gamer, man. Come on. That's true. I, yeah. I, I That's hear true. it's the best. It really it. is yeah. good. It really some parts a little far fetched and the ending got, yeah. got a little aggressive out of nowhere, but overall the show is definitely an A plus. Speaking yeah. Yeah. of A plus, it is also known that you are friends with the man, Magic Johnson, and you have been on a lot of these vacations with him that everybody wants to know about. What is it like going on vacation <laughs> with Magic Johnson and that star-studded lineup of friends that he has? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is. There are vacations, and then there are vacations, and then there are experiences. This was the latter. Um, it's it's incredible. Yes, I've been fortunate. Holly and my wife and I have been fortunate enough to be on there a few times on his yearly trip to the Mediterranean. He's been doing it actually for 29 years. And he started just doing it to get away from everything after the basketball season and fell in love with, with being on a boat in the middle of the Mediterranean. And 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 then over the last 10 or so years, he decided that he wanted to share with his friends. And we were lucky to, to, to be a part of that. And I've known him for, for a long time. I met him when I was in college. And Bill, when you mentioned USC, we would, in football games, we would have celebrities would be lined up on the sidelines of our game and in pregame and coming into the room. It was a who's who on the sidelines. I got a Jerry Buss, big SC guy. And I tag along with him. So I got a chance to know him in, in college. Um, and then eventually fast forward, I met Holly who knew him differently. And his son, EJ was the ring bearer in our wedding, uh, 26 years ago. So I've known him a long, long time, but, but again, traveling with him, when you, when you get to, you know, go on a floating mansion and just go to different parts of France and Italy and Greece and, you know, you have breakfast and dinner on one place and then you go to bed and you wake up and you're in another, another port, another town. It, it's incredible. And then just being there, the hearing the stories, the thing you miss when you retire is the locker room and the fellows and, and the, or the clubhouse and, and just the stories that you hear and just camaraderie and, and living that boat, it just, Story after story after story, and it comes from different angles because Magic certainly has his '80s, you know, uh, Lakers stories, Lakers Celtic stories, and Dream Team stories, and all those things. And then on that boat too is Sam Jackson, who has his own stories about a lot of different things. So it's it's been it's been fantastic, and we're lucky. And you know, again, it is luxury at a whole different level. And when you talk about people that you know, you walk out and and global, he, he can go to dinner in Capri in Italy and he is the biggest star there. And and people flock to him like he is the Pied Piper and people are following him and he gives it to him. Like he gives everybody a smile and a picture and 
he is so generous with his time and, and energy with people that it's, it's amazing to see how people respond to him around the world and not just in this country. Well, that sounds unbelievable. And now I really want to go on one of these tours. So thank you so much, Ronnie P, for coming on the podcast. We appreciate it. You got it. Thanks a lot. Mailbag. All right, Brett. You know what time it is, don't you? Mailbag time, Dad. Mailbag time. All right. This one comes from Janet in Santa Monica. She wants to know, Brett. What was it like to be a Trojan, and did you get into the tradition of the school? Fight on, Brett. I uh, loved going to USC. Um, I did get into uh, to the tradition. I only went there for three years. Um, you know, and and I I'm, I wouldn't call myself that crazy ex Trojan. I mean, I I keep up with them. I, you know, I'll go to a football game once a year. But uh, I'm not that crazy. Everything's about my alma mater. I don't have SC stuff around my house, but I definitely keep an eye out. I'll watch their baseball team. Um, you know, I, I watch the football games. I'll keep up with their hoop hoops. They went to the March Madness this year. And uh, yeah, I'm not the I'm not the crazy one. Aaron. Now, he's that he's that crazy guy I mentioned in the podcast that that'll, uh, you know, drive down the street with the fight song playing but uh i definitely like them but no i i am I, I got too many other things going on raising kids all right and this last one comes from jim in ocean beach brett why can't tatis stay healthy well it, it's it's that shoulder and it keeps popping out on him it, it's something that it's a lot of tedious work you have to do post game and, and we call them the Job exercises. A lot of pitchers do it. But since he's not having the surgery right now, uh, that shoulder keeps popping out on him. It's, it's kind of concerning for me from a, from a Padres perspective uh, because I think if it, you know, right now, and he's a gamer, Tatis is a gamer, so he keeps coming back from it. And they say, will there be surgery? He says, no, no surgery. I'll be back. And, and I expect he will be back in probably eight days from now. Uh, but if that thing down the stretch that pops out again, I think the organization with the with the investment they have in, in Tatis Jr. and he's so young, I think they're going to take that uh, take the decision out of his hands and and opt for the surgery. So hopefully he can get it, you know, get it back in place like he did. it happened to him earlier in the year and he rehabbed it for for a week or 10 days and he came back and he's he's been on a tear ever since but yeah it concerns me a little bit that that show because it's it's not like he's hurting his he's spraining his ankle one week and pulling a hamstring the next it seems like it's that that lingering injury in that shoulder all right that is gonna do it for the brett boone podcast thanks one and all for tuning in my name is Dan Levy. I'm the technical director, producer, and the voice of the Boone Podcast. Executive producer is Rich Herrera. Digital content is Liz Landry. Please share the Boone Podcast with neighbors and friends and make sure you subscribe to the Boone Podcast so you never miss an episode of the show. And while you're there, please give it a five-star rating. Share your feelings of the Boone Podcast by leaving a review on whatever platform you decided you want to listen to the show. For all of us here on the Boone Podcast, I am Dan Levy. Thanks for listening. We'll do it again soon. See ya.